0: Welcome to the Redemptions Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information, feel free to visit our website, RedemptionsHill.com. Really glad to have you here. Um, Excited to be up here this morning um, to get the chance to bring the word this morning. So my name is Garrett Richards. Um, I know most of us are family, but this time of year we always have some visitors, and so we don't want to uh, forget you all. So first off, we're glad you're here. Uh, but I'm an elder here at Redemption's Hill. Um, I'm not the regular uh, preaching guy here, so we have way more talented, um, smarter gentlemen than myself doing that. But I get to be here with you this morning. and I'm excited um, to do that. I've I've joked in the past on weeks where I get to preach. I feel like my it, it never fails that during that week my entire life is kind of ruled by Murphy's Law, like it just. I, I believe in, in, that the enemy attacks you when, when you're trying to focus in on, on the Lord, uh, but it, it just was another one of those weeks. Life was busy. Kids were sick. Um, work was crazy, um, but I try not to get distracted. It, it was so much so that I had a dream that when I was up here, I preached from a tablet. When I was up here, my tablet died. This is my dream. My tablet died, and I was like, what now? So, I, I got my phone and I was like, well, this doesn't look the best, but I'm going to preach from my phone. So, I'm walking around and I'm, I'm looking at my phone, and a couple of my um, mature brothers in Christ in this room were texting me <laughs> on my phone while I was preaching. I won't name names, Blake, but um, I kind of wanted to put that out there in case it happens that that doesn't happen. Um, Okay. Um, Good morning. Uh, So this week, um, Christmas is coming, right? We're we're right there. We're a few days uh, from Christmas. So today, um, just a few days away, we're going to be finishing our sort of abbreviated Advent series. Um, Blake blessed us last week. How many people were, were blessed by Blake's message last week? I, I just, man, it was so much what I needed to hear about the joy of the Lord, and it was good for my heart, so thank you, brother, for that. Uh, but, but Blake um, preached last week on joy. Uh, but unlike Blake, who, who told us in his sermon that he tried to avoid all the Christmas cliches that he could in his message, I want you to know that during my preparation for today that I have fully embraced them <laughs> and have actively looked for ways to include them in my sermon. So if you're keeping score at home, uh, you should get your notebooks out. Uh, so Advent comes from the Latin word meaning coming or arrival. This is sort of the traditional celebration of the first Advent of Christ. That's why we uh, celebrate Advent in the lead up to Christmas and, and the coming of Christ, when Jesus left His rightful place in heaven and entered into human history, this was the time when, for if we are believers in Him, where hope and love came down and entered into our story. So, before we even get started, I want to I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter two. This is a verse that Blake read last week. We're going to read it again today. I would encourage you as you're going through your Christmas um, celebrations with your family. This is probably uh, a a verse you should read later this week as well. But Luke 2, we're going to start, I believe, with verse 2. And just follow along with me. Don't, Don't lose me here, okay? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Canerius was governor of Syria. a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go ahead and pray again. God, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for what we just read. Lord, that you sent your son Jesus to us. God, would you help us to see through your word today that in this busy season and in this time, Lord God, would you help us to fight distraction and see these elements of love, poured out through this season, God. Lord, we just want to be led by you this morning, Lord, so we trust in your word and we trust in in your goodness. Would you lead we will follow in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is Advent, right? Luke 2, this is Advent. This is the coming, the arrival of our Savior. But Advent is also about the anticipation of his second advent, of his second coming, when Christ will come back and fix all that has been broken, when death and sin will be no more, this is the hope that we hold to of a day that is promised to us, but has not yet come. Now because of that, advent is not just another one of our kind of many. holiday holiday traditions. Jesus is the reason for the season. But Advent is a uniquely Christian celebration of Christ, right? Christmas, the way we know it, the way our society know it, is not necessarily uh, focused on Christ, right? But Advent is... For us, It's a time to reflect upon the promises of God and to have eager anticipation of the fulfillment of those promises. Advent is about Christ. And it's about making sure that we avoid all the things that can distract us during this time and can lead us to turn Christmas into something that is actually not about Christ at all. Because after all, you cannot have Christmas without Christ. I'll stop. Right? I love Christmas. Uh, I love all the, the family traditions and, and the fun celebrations that go along with it. And it is completely fine to enjoy the parties and the gifts and everything that, that comes with that. But what we have to fight to do is to enjoy those things... But do that while we know those are secondary joys, right? That our primary pursuit and joy comes from knowing and remembering that God made a plan for us to be redeemed to himself. And central to that plan is what we read here in Luke 2. Central to that plan was sending Jesus to us. Now, traditionally, Advent is four weeks, um, and these represent hope, peace, joy, and love. This week, we are going to be talking about love. I apologize for my mic. We're going to talk about love. You see, love is really a crucial theme uh, found throughout the Bible. Your Bible is overflowing with the word love. Romans 13:8 says, "Owe no one anything, except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law." 1 Corinthians 13:2 says, "If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing." 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14 says, Do everything in love. Song of Solomon, the book of love. If you haven't read it, you'll get it. Song of Solomon 8, chapter 8, verse 7 says, Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. Psalm 143 Verse 8 says, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. First John 4, 16 says, and we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love, lives in God and God in them. And the last one I'll read to you this morning is 1 Peter 4, 8. says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Your Bible is overflowing with this theme of love, right? But love is also a central theme to our everyday lives, not just the Christian life, right, but the unbeliever as well. Love is an essential part of our life. It's it's really at the center of, of a lot of things that we do. We write about love. We read about love. We watch movies about love. We sing about love. Without love, Ed Sheeran would literally have nothing to sing about. Right? Nothing. But seriously, when you think about When the church comes together, right, think about what we just did. We sing songs together, and how often do we sing of love? We sing songs like How Deep the Father's Love, Amazing Love, How He Loves Us, Reckless Love. We do this because love is crucial. It is critical to our survival, to our health, and to our salvation, But I think this morning, or I want you to know this morning, that it's safe to say that Ed Sheeran being in love with the shape of you, and Jesus telling us to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, are really coming from two different definitions and meanings of the word love, all right? They mean two different things, they're motivated by two different things, Uh, and no offense to my boy Ed Sheeran, but we don't really care about his definition of love this morning, we want to focus on. What Jesus means. So first of all, this love your neighbor phrase that we hear Jesus say in our Bibles is a phrase or quotation from Hebrew scriptures where the word for love is ahava. Okay, it's Hebrew. It means a love of wills. However, the language Jesus spoke was Aramaic in which the word for love would have been rachma. So when Jesus says that, he would have said rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated those into Greek using the word agape. Now, the earliest followers of Jesus, who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, These people did not learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in some ancient dictionary. Instead, they looked at the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. In Mark 12, Jesus was asked about the most important command in Jewish scripture, and first, he quoted an ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. It can be found in Deuteronomy 6.5 where he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So, love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up and saying another command from the Torah was also the most important. And it can be found in Leviticus 19.18 which says, To love your neighbor... As yourself, So which is the most important, to love God or to love your neighbor? And the more that you read and understand the teachings of Jesus and you understand his heart and his love, the answer to that question is yes. Right? Which is most important? Yes, is the answer. And to ask the question means you don't really get his point because for Jesus they are really one and the same. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa. These are inseparable. And so this makes it clear for us that or clear for Jesus that agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone that happens to you, right? Like the free like the phrase I fell In love, it's not some bug that you catch, right? For Jesus, love is action. It is a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means that seeking people's well-being Without expecting anything in return. Especially from people who are in difficult situations, who can't even repay you if they wanted to. The broken, the poor, the lonely. That's why Jesus, or I'm sorry, that's why the Bible tells us in James 2 to show no partiality when it comes to our faith and how we love God. Others, because according to Jesus, this kind of generous love, right? Sacrificing for others when there's nothing in return for you, this kind of love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even farther. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person you don't like, the person you can't stand or in his words in Luke 6:35 you shall love your enemy and do good to them expecting nothing in return for Jesus this kind of enemy embracing love Im- imitates the very character of God it's who he is and what he is about and we see that on display as we celebrate this season when God himself came down, while we were enemies of his. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus today uh, if he had only said things like, love your enemy. Right? We're here today because Jesus, in his life on this earth, was able to actually live it and do it. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards the poor and hurting people who could not benefit him in return. The people who had nothing to give in appreciation. Jesus was most drawn to those. He showed love for those who were forgotten. For the people who generally, usually fall through the cracks. He healed the blind. He healed the crippled, those begging. He ate dinner and fellowshiped with tax collectors and prostitutes. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his own people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. You can find this in John, John 2, when Jesus drives the money changers out of the temple. But then, instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, what Jesus did does out of love is he gives himself up for them. He allows them to take his life, to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. Love is central to all things. Now, after Easter morning, Jesus claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in his life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of Apostle John in 1 John 4, 9, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this naturally leads to the conclusion found in verse 11. Beloved ones, if if that's how God loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. Tim Keller writes that real love always involves personal sacrifice. That if we're going to live in the real world, we're going to love real people with real problems. And that means you are going to have to share in their problems. You're going to have to trade places with them in a way. You're going to bear the weight of their struggles and issues. If you're a parent, you know this to be true. You sacrifice for your child. Not a lot of sleep going on in the Richards house this last couple of weeks. Mom, Dad, you know it. You have to sacrifice for them. If you're if you're married, you know this to be true. If you're in a good marriage, you should know this to be true that that you sacrifice for your spouse. If you're ever going to have a true friend, if you're going to be in community, right, a real community, then you know this to be true that you sacrifice. For them as well. There is no love without sacrifice, without laying down your rights in order to help someone else because you love them. Love is always willing to carry one another's burdens. Not to enable people, but to exchange yourself for them, to exchange your position for theirs, to help carry their burdens for their good because you love them. This is the biblical definition of love. This is what we see Jesus do for us if we are believers in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He exchanged places. He bared our burden because he loved us. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He exchanges places. He bears our burdens. You see proof that real love is always accompanied by sacrifice. The Apostle Paul describes this sacrifice of Jesus almost perfectly in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, for you and for me, for sinners like us, God made his Son Jesus, one who is without sin, he made him to be sin or to take the punishment of our sin on himself so that we, in exchange, would have his righteousness. God made our problem his own and substituted himself for us so that we might find life, that we can be forgiven and so that sin might be defeated in us and our hearts won back to God. He did this because He loves us. He did it because He loves us. We can sit here today if we are believers with hearts. Overwhelmed and overflowing with joy and peace and hope and love because of what God did for us and we celebrate it during this season. This sort of unexplainable love. When God said, I'll take care of it. I'll fix it. I'll make a way for you to get back to me. I know there's a lot going on in this season. A lot of distraction, even today, right? Maybe we're we're fighting what's coming, what we still have to do on our on our list, what what's going to happen this afternoon. Oh, this is just another Christmas message. We're going to have to go to service probably somewhere on Christmas Eve. There's a lot that can distract us. But my hope for us today is that first we would feel this extraordinary love God displayed for us. The Christmas story is not reserved just for your children and just for children's Christmas programs. All right? We're so familiar with it that often we forget or we don't feel the weight of it, I'm afraid. And so my first hope is that we would just feel this extraordinary love. Maybe you've never felt it before. Know that this is for you. This was done for you. You don't deserve it. You don't, but he did it anyway. Secondly, my hope is that we would find ways to love those around us in extraordinary ways as well. Not sort of a fake sense of love, but a real deep love, a sacrificial love, so deep that the Father would pour out his Son for us, that he would take our place and stand as a sinner so that we could stand clean as saints before God. How great a love is this. There is no other love like it. I don't know if you see God this way, if you ever have seen him this way, but I hope that you will. I pray that you will. that you would see God not as a God who stands distant and demanding with just a list of rules and expects obedience from you, but a God who traded places with us, who stands close and he loves us enough to give his own son. What greater love could there be? Surely we can find hope, peace, Joy in that love today. Being a believer, the Christian faith itself involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for this world, which means that the purpose of our existence, of human existence, is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus. And to reflect that, to give that back out to others. Remember that the magic of Christmas is not in presence, but in His presence. Please see me after the service today if you didn't get enough cliches from today's sermon. Right? It's a great story, it's a great love. I hope that as we we start to wrap up today, as we begin to worship, that our hearts would be able to project that back to him. That you would be able to worship him in a deeper way. Band, you guys can come back. That even as we come to the tables this morning, right? This love that we see displayed at the coming of Jesus with the birth of this baby ends with the sacrament that we take today with communion. This is the completion of God's plan, of his love for us. That we can come to the table this morning as we worship him and be reminded of what he did for us and the love that was poured out for us on the cross. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread we're going to sing of this amazing unending unexplainable love this morning when we do the tables are going to be open they're, they're open to anybody we you don't have to be a member here to participate we do ask though that if you're going to come just that your faith would be in Jesus uh, otherwise it's just it's just bread and juice okay but if your faith is in him this is This is how we remember that love that was poured out for us. Let's pray. God, we glorify your name. We thank you for this season. Lord, we thank you for families and traditions and the time that we get to spend with one another, Lord. We understand that this season is a time of great joy for many. Lord, we ask that you would be central to that joy, that you would help us in those great things to remember what this is really about, to remember your love, and that, God, we would love those around us, those we see around us well. Lord, this season is also difficult for many. Maybe we don't have the traditions, and and we feel alone. God, I pray for those Lord, that they would feel your love and know they are not alone. That they would be reminded that they saw that you, in your time here, you sought out the weak and the lonely and the hurting. God, that we can have joy and hope and peace because of your love, because of what you did for us in coming and in your death and resurrection, Lord. Lord, I just pray as we begin to worship God that, that you would be glorified, Lord, that you would lead us, Lord, that, that that through my ramblings, God, that you would speak directly to hearts and they would feel overwhelmed by your goodness, Lord. Lord, I ask if we have never felt your love before, if there's someone here who has never felt that or known that, God, would you just meet them in this place right now? And may they feel joy and hope and peace and love greater than they've ever felt this morning, Lord. Lord, be glorified by our worship. Lord, We thank you for your goodness. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.